0: So, what a beautiful morning. Um, the Lord is just doing something so significant in our midst, and I really think that we would do well not to, to almost just pass it by, not to take it for granted. Um, sometimes the Lord does something so special, and I'm not saying just here this morning, but there's just been a theme. If I look at our prayer meetings, uh, I don't want to miss the prayer meetings for anything in the world. I just think that there is something deep happening, There is something, there's a momentum, there's a groundswell, there's something underfoot. And um, I know that Kirsty this year has uh, has spoken about the story of Gideon a couple of times, and we all know the story very well where the Lord speaks to Gideon and raises him up and says, I'm going to do a great work through you. And so he gets the army together and there's 30,000 people and the Lord says, hmm, that's too many. I, 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 I want to show my power. I want to show what I'm going to do. And he says to Gideon, tell those that are fearful to go home. And 27,000 of the 30,000 leave. And he's left with, with 3,000. And the Lord says, no, but that's still too many because I really want to show how glorious how powerful I am and I don't want the 3,000 as much as I love them I don't want them to get the glory I want the glory must be mine and I want you guys to be partakers of this big thing that I'm going to be doing and so he says to them go and get them to drink water at the river and he says those that go down on all fours those that get down hands and feet into the mud those are the ones I want to use. And those that lap like dogs, that don't care about what people think, those are the ones that I want to use. And I believe that there's an invitation for us in this changing of the season for us to be part of the 300, not to be part of the 27,700, or 27,700, yeah. He doesn't want us to be part of the 27,700. 29,700. 29, there we go. A new... I knew there was someone with a spirit of prophecy. So (laughs) he doesn't want us to be part of the 29,700 spectators. He wants us, he's inviting us to be part of the 300. Can you imagine the story? The story that those 300 had going back to their families. They were there. They saw it happen. They saw the Lord do a miraculous work. And can you imagine what the 29,700 felt like? I missed it. And I believe this is a season that the Lord is calling us into not to rely on testimonies of 10 years back and five years back. I believe he's calling us into a season where he wants you to have new, fresh testimonies. He wants us to enter with him and rewrite history. I really believe it's a, it's a moment like that. It's an epoch moment. It's a moment where the Lord is going to do something like this and and, we would, and the people around us are never going to believe that this thing was possible. We are not going to believe that this thing is possible. So, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, my brother's over in his family, they're here from the UK and the house is quite busy. I mean, it's myself, my, Shani has to be there as well, our three children, and then there's my brother with his two children and his wife and my mom also. So we're a bit like a youth hostel at the moment where it is just, it's chaos, but it's great. And a couple of weeks ago, about, uh, I think it was three Sundays ago, my mom walks into my bedroom. I was just waking up. No niceties from my mom. No, how did you sleep? Uh, you know, are you rested? I love you, my son. Something like that. But <laughs> she, she pretty much... <laughs> She pretty much just led with the left hook, you know, like opening up with a theological question, Jacques, what's the difference between hope and faith? And at the time, I sort of mustered what I thought was a plausible answer, but to be honest, it wasn't necessarily um, a complete answer, and it almost set me off on a journey. And this morning, I want to take you in on that journey just to understand what the what the difference is between these two words because i think sometimes we can hear we can we can almost be blase with what scripture says we know the verse we know what we know hope is a good thing to have uh, and we know that faith is a good thing to have but sometimes we don't always understand the relationship between these two and uh, this morning i'm going to be going into quite a lot of hebrew words and and greek words because i really wanted to understand what the difference is between these these words because i think It's almost like sometimes the Lord says something, and if we have eyes to to see and ears to hear, there is such a beautiful truth that can be unlocked for us. And so I started off my little journey going to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And we all know this is as the love chapter. This is the, the, the one that parents quote and drum into their children um, that love is patient and kind, it's not envious, it's not jealous, it doesn't puff up. And I think the reason why we as parents drum this into our kids is because we want to increase their life expectancy. Because, you know, as, as um, like with my girls, you know, we would love them to make it through puberty and, and teenage years. And, but if they don't grasp this love, um, they might not get there because the siblings will either kill them or we as the parents will kill them. And so it's in their best interest and in our best interest that we drum this love chapter into their hearts so that they can make it through to the next stage of life, which as we know is really important. <laughs> not a lot of abuse happens in our family. And so in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen, it says... And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We've all heard the scripture, uh, the the, the sermons on love being the greatest of these three. But I believe that there's a progression that Paul is trying to um, explain here to the the people in Corinth. And if we go into this, and I'd, I'd like to ask that you give me a little bit of license, um, Just stick with me. We're going to go in a direction, and I'm hopefully going to be able to just convince you that my direction is right. But in this verse, it says that the greatest is love. The one that is mentioned before that is hope, and the one before that is faith. And so for me, I believe that there's a progression where there's there's love, hope, and then faith. And so the word for love here is the word agape. In English language, we've only got one word for, for love, But in the Greek language, there are three words for love. There is eros, which is the sensual sexual love. There is phileo, which is the brotherly love that you would have for a sibling, hopefully, or for a friend. And then there is agape love. Agape love is the God love. It is the God love that sent Jesus into the world. It is the God love that came into our lives and transformed us into new creations. It is the God love that makes us alive, even as we experienced it this morning, in worship it is that god love that fervent god love pure wanting the absolute best for you and so getting back to the progression here is it all started off every single one of us started off with us being confronted with this god love this and I, and i say confronted on purpose because it is something that is it can be offensive it can be something that is overpowering but it is such a good thing for us to give in to that God love. And then the next word, the next word in this little progression is the word hope, which is the Greek word elpis, And the Greek word elpis literally means a joyful and confident expectation of good. And isn't it such a thing that as soon as we encounter this, this love of the Father, this overwhelming love of the Father, that our picture of ourselves starts changing. You know, the Bible says that we were, we were um, objects of wrath. We were doomed to destruction before we knew him. But once we encountered this love, everything changed. Because now we were vessels of righteousness, we were slaves of righteousness, almost bound to produce good fruit, almost bound. And so our picture for our life started changing. You know, the thing is, in the world, there are so many people that are depressed. There are so many people that have no hope. The world almost is like gravity. It just drags everything down. But the Father is almost the antithesis of gravity. He pulls everything up. And this is the love of the Father pulling us up into more. And before I got, I encountered this love of the Father... I could never have dreamed that I would have gone through the things that I have, that I would have this hope, that I would have this expectation of my life going forward, that I could be part of something that God is doing in the earth. I'd never have dreamt that. But when I encountered His love, because I started getting to know Him, my picture of my life could start changing. And this is what this word, elpis, is. I can now have a confident and joyful expectation of my future. And then the third, world, third word in this little trilogy is the word for faith, which is the Greek word pistos. And pistos literally means a conviction, having a conviction. So it starts off, and, and um, to give an example, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is a substance of things hopeful. We can see, again, there is a reference made to faith and hope in the same se- sentence. And it says it's the evidence of things not seen. Another translation says that it's the title deed. It's that conviction. It's because I know him, I've experienced his love. He started transforming the way that I see the world. And now because I know him, because I experience him intimately, because I know him, I can experience him right here. I can know that he's a loving father. I can know that he's got a future for me. Now I can have a conviction that that thing which he has placed in my heart is going to happen. That the dreams that he's given me, you know, the thing is like this confident expectation, what does it look like? Well, I suppose it's a, it's a number of things. It's, um, it's, it's an imagination. It's a dream. It's uh, how I see things. You know, the thing is we often say that children are the ones with the, with the imaginations, the wild imaginations, but I'd like to put to you that every single one of us, we use our imaginations on a daily basis. If I asked you to close your eyes right now and, 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 and describe to me what your living room looks like, you'd, able to, you'd, you'd be able to close your eyes and you can say, I've got this couch, I've got this, I've got this. You're accessing your memory. You're accessing your imagination. Yeah. You have a picture that is not the real actual nuts and bolts picture of it, but you have a picture of it. And this is the journey that we're on. Like if I had to ask you, close your eyes right now and explain to me how to get back to your house. If you got into your car, you are able to recreate a picture. It's not in 4K high-definition color, but it is an accurate picture nonetheless. And this is the process that we are. This is this beautiful union that we are in with the Holy Spirit and with the Father, is that as He, as he expresses His love towards us, we start getting His pictures in our heart for our lives and for other people's lives. We start having this imagination, this imagination, this picture he has replaced the one where we had no hope, we had no, we had just had despair, and he's replaced it with a glorious new picture that draws us ever, ever higher. On Wednesday at the prayer meeting, and I'd really like to encourage you guys to attend the pre meeting, I'm not trying to do it so that we can say that we had 15 people or 20 people, I'm not doing that. I just feel like there is something so significant happening. You can see Mark Bush anointing people. You can see there's so many beautiful things. Um, just, but I, I do think that it is, uh, it's an opportunity for us to get into the river with the Father. You know, I can pray on my own, but there is something about a corporate anointing that just, it's like we're all in this river, and it's like, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But on Wednesday, I had this picture of, this beautiful, beautiful hot air balloon, very intricate colors on it, but it was flat on the ground. And you know, when a hot air balloon is flat on the ground, you can't see its colors and you can't see what it does. And then there was this, um, you know, when when they start up these hot air balloons, they've got like a big burner that basically blows this hot air in it. And slowly but surely, this balloon starts taking form and it starts rising up. And then now everybody can see the beautiful colors in this thing. And then as the, as, the, as the hot air just keeps on coming in, this thing starts taking off. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of us as these people. You know, this morning you might be here and you might be feeling flat. You might feel like I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I am just lifeless and dead inside. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit to just blow air into you, much like like, um, like God the Father blew into into Adam when he was still made out of clay. He blew into him and he, suddenly there was life. This is our, this is our inheritance. Is we have this incredible relationship with the Father where, we, where if we feel flat, we just go to him and we allow him to just blow into our hearts and blow and suddenly now, We start seeing, and other people around us start seeing all the colors that he's always made for you. That Technicolor Dreamcoat, people start seeing the colors that the father is boasting over his son or his daughter. And the next thing, the power of this heat starts taking you off. And it's amazing because now you're flying. Now, it's not just you looking beautiful, but you're flying. The power of God is evident in our lives. And I really believe that this morning is a picture of that is like the Holy Spirit is coming And he is bringing, he's speaking words of encouragement. He's filling our lungs with his power and with his authority. And we're starting to take off. So I wanted to find a a real life scripture in the Bible where we see this progression. And I'd like to take you to 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 and 7, and just something before I get there. In, in Romans 5 verse 5, it says, Now hope or elpis, does not disappoint. This confident expectation does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Doesn't that just state everything so succinctly, the processes of the Father, this hope that we have now that we are alive to him will not disappoint because his love, we have experienced his love being shed in our hearts. So I want us to go to, um, well, I'll read it, 1 Samuel 30. And this is a story of David, but a background. David was anointed as, uh, as king. The, the prophet Samuel went to his house under instruction from the father to anoint a new king over Israel. He goes to Jesse's house all the sons that are there walk past him and he says, no, this is not it. I can only do what the father says. There's no one of these. And there's one more. So they call David and Samuel anoints David as king over Israel, future king over Israel. That precipitates an incredible journey for David because the next thing, he goes up to the front lines. There's this guy called Goliath. He slays Goliath and he's the toast of Israel. But then, he's, then Saul gets jealous and chases him and this is where we find um, David in the story in 1 Samuel 30. He's been fleeing from, from Saul, but he still has the promises of God in his heart, but he's probably wondering, how long is this going to take? And in 1 Samuel 30, it says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were, who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken cap- captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept, and they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Abinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, came, uh, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because, this, because the soul of all, the five was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. What a picture. This is a man that's been anointed king over Israel. He's seen God do incredible things. He's now got some 300 loyal, faithful guys with him. And now this calamity strikes. The Amalekites came and took everything away, wives, children, everything, but they didn't kill any. And they wept, and he was greatly distressed in his heart. Now, that word distressed is the Hebrew word yatzar, which means that he was diminished. He was hemmed in. He was made narrow, much like, I suppose, the picture of the balloon that was deflated was flat on the ground. So let's read on. It says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And then he inquired of the Lord. And that word where he strengthened himself, it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord is the Hebrew word chazak. And chazak basically means to repair. So he might have had a picture of himself, this beautiful balloon. He had a picture of himself after he was anointed king and after after he slew Goliath but because of this calamity he was distressed he was whatever and maybe he had lost sight of the picture that God had placed in him that hope that confident expectation that this is what the Lord is going to do and maybe that was where he was because he was not this big balloon he was not this this future king of Israel he was distressed and even his very men the 300 that were with him wanted to stone him but it says he, he, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And that means to, to be, he repaired himself in the Lord. He went back to the Father and he was connected again to the agape love. And suddenly the picture of who he was was restored because the Father could speak confirmation over it. And the rest of the story is, is, um, is history. Because of that, experiencing the love of the Father, the confident heart, Confidence, expectation returned, and there was a conviction, and he was able to go back, defeat the Amalekites, and take everything back. So that word for hope there, or strengthen himself, is the Hebrew word chazak, which we find also in uh, Joshua chapter 1. In this chapter, it's also a very well-known scripture where the people of Israel and God, the father charge Joshua and they say to him, only be strong and very courageous. And that word strong is this word, um, is this word Chazak, which means to repair yourself, to make, to, to see yourself as God sees. And then the second word there, and this is, it's the second word there. So it's to be strong and courageous. And the word courageous is the word Amat. And it's not really got a lot to do with what I'm sharing this morning, but I think it's such a, the definition is such a good thing to hear. It's, the word amat is heavenly audacity rushing headlong into situations without consideration for loss or impossibility. Isn't that what the Lord calls us into? Isn't that what we all dream, dream of? You know, I can go and do things and I can expect out of my effort, I can expect something that looks like this. But if I respond to what he calls me into, we are going to see things that we could never have dreamt. It will blow our minds, it'll blow the people around us. And this is this is the very nature of the Father. Is like he wants three hundred to overcome hundred thousand. He wants for you to speak to a rock and water comes out in the middle of the desert. He wants the lame to walk. He wants the blind to see, though that is our inheritance. It doesn't make sense. Because, But he wants us to have this heavenly audacity to rush headlong into circumstances without consideration of loss, our personal loss, or impossibility. So back to the word elpis, the word hope, which is this joyful, confident expectation of, of good. And I try to find a Hebrew word that means the same thing, and there is a Hebrew word, and that is the word tikvah, which is also a joyful, confident expectation of hope. And interestingly enough, Tikva or Hatikva, as, as some, some expressions have it, is the name of the Israeli anthem, their national anthem. It's called the Hatikva, And the Hatikva is basically the Jewish people who are God's chosen, chosen people expressing the hope that they have because God chose them. In the New Testament context, God chose you. We are now the chosen people. We are the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy people of God, who he chooses to show forth his praises through. Now, very interestingly, that word tikvah has as its root the word rope. And literally what it means is to bind a rope around yourself and around God like the Jewish people. They are in this covenant with God the Father and there's a rope that is tied around them. Consider when the Israelites left Egypt and they're walking through the desert. There's this beautiful cloud that protected them from the sun during the day and this pillar of fire at night. And this pillar of fire and this cloud would not ask them permission to move, would not ask them permission to stop. And so when the cloud got up, you best be on your horse. I didn't have horses, but you would go. And when the clouds stopped, that's where we stopped. How long? We don't know. We would just stay. But such a beautiful picture of just being this rope, tying themselves around the Father. And it, it just brings across such a beautiful picture of surrender. Because like now, the Israelites, I've had to clear my agenda. I, I can't really have an agenda. I, it's like the agenda is yours, Lord. You decide what you want to do. Such a sense of surrender and such a sense of, of waiting. It's like we're waiting. So when is this thing going? When are we going to the promised land, Dad? I don't know, son. When, when the cloud moves, the Lord knows. That's when we'll go. And so I, I think it's such an invitation for us to just tie a rope around ourselves, And just say, Lord, we're with you. We're clearing our diaries. We're clearing our agendas. That's all secondary. But we want you to do what it is you want to do. Because that is the only thing that's really going to satisfy me. That's the only thing that's going to set people free around. Is when you are God. When you show yourself strong. You know, before, um, before I met Shaney, well, actually, after I met Shaney, um, I had a bachelor's party, and um, I've said this before, I was very good-looking, very successful. Um, I, was, I was a real catch, you know, probably also quite an quite arrogant guy as well, and I think hopefully the Lord's dealing with some of that, but I was kidnapped by some fellows, spurious fellows, and bundled into a car and driv- driven off to Vonderboom, um Airport, where They wanted to terrify me. They wanted to throw me out of an aeroplane with a parachute, thankfully, and just see this very confident guy crack. But, you know, my thinking was this. I'm going up. It's going to be a tandem jump. So I'm going to be tied to an expert. So actually, it's not really up to me. You know, this guy has done this type of thing so many times. And so I can just relax. I can just enjoy Whatever's coming, because even if I am afraid, what can I really do? I can't really. I'm probably just going to get stuck in the parachute strings, you know, and precipitate my death, you know. And I think it's such a, for me, it's such an encouraging story because I think life is a lot like that. Like the Father comes and says, (laughs) Marissa, I've got something so special for you. I'm going to take you on an adventure. You're not going to know, but you know it's going to be such an adventure. Just trust me. Tie yourself to me and let me show you everything that I have for you. And long story short, I fell out of the plane. I had an amazing time. I think the other guys that went up with me were probably more scared because the pilot was crazy. He went straight up and straight down. In fact, he passed us on the way down. He came down so quickly. (laughs) You know, we went to, um, we had the privilege of going to Goldrie City on Friday morning with my brother, them all being here. My kids had never, ever been to that. Not to the casino, but to the... <laughs> 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 um, park. Th- yes, to the, to the theme, par- theme park. And there I am sitting with Rachie, my youngest, who barely made the 1.3-meter cut-off because otherwise she was not allowed to do it. But there was this sense of anticipation and sense of excitement. She couldn't sit still. And, my, and, and that's one thing about Rachie. When she gets excited, she bounces. You almost have to nail her to the floor, otherwise you could lose her because she just skips and bounces and whatever. And she, I could see that there was some fear in her eyes because she'd never, she didn't even know what was coming. But she knew me, and she knew I was sitting next to her, and she just knew that dad's not going to take her into something that's going to hurt her. That's going to be bad for her. In fact, she knows that dad's going to take her into situations that's going to break fear. That's going to help her just want to have more of these things. And boy, after that first one, I started getting sick after a while, but these kids were just, next one, next one, dad, next one. Can we do that again? Such a wonderful picture of just God wanting to awaken the enthusiasm and the desire for adventure in us. And so, Pitt, can I ask you just to come up? I, I just want to read some scriptures that I've just been feeling on my heart. And just as Pitt plays, I just want you to close your eyes and draw on the agape love of the Father to just inflate you, to just speak new things into you, to just confirm to you that the season is changing, that the season, the season might have been long, But the season is changing. And I want to read that scripture again that we started off with. The Song of Solomon scripture. And allow the Holy Spirit to just make these words real to you. You know, I can stand here and I can read the scripture and I can be as eloquent as I want to. But it's the Holy Spirit that transforms that word into something that can change you. It's something that can break, bring freedom, something that can bring liberty, something that can bring a sense of adventure, something that can paint a different picture of your future. In Ephesians, Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says, He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could wish or hope for or imagine, says one of the, one of the translations. He wants to even increase your wildest imagination. He wants to set you on a traje- trajectory that is unbelievable he wants to do incredible things through you the season has changed the bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone the rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers the season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived I hear the cooing of the doves in our land Filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. May that be a picture for our country as well. May that just start changing the picture that we have of our country. I hear the cooing of the doves in our land. Filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? Breaking forth around you. The early signs of my purpose and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher places, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. Lord, would you awaken us, Lord? Would you awaken our expectations would you cause us to dream new dreams bigger dreams would you come and repair the picture that the enemy has wanted to destroy would you come Lord and just enwrap us Lord God with your love, with your presence, Lord, that we can have this joyful and confident expectation of the future for us, for our families, for our marriages, for our land, for our city. Father, may you come, Lord, and fill the balloon, Lord, with your agape power, Lord God. And in response, Lord, we want to tie ourselves to you we want to soar, Lord. We want to soar. We want to soar. We want to see you do the great and mighty miracles, Lord. We want to see you set people free. Take us on a journey, Father. Isaiah 40 it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God every valley shall be exalted every mountain and hill brought low the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it And in this context, it talks about the coming of Jesus. It was John the Baptist who said, he is the one, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. But I believe this has got application and relevance to us in this day, that the Lord is gonna do something. There's a move where the mountains are gonna be brought low and the valleys are gonna be raised up. He's going to start using his people in a way that we've always dreamt of. He's going to start using you in the way that you've always dreamt of. He wants to show his power through you. He wants to use you as a vessel. Not a hidden vessel, but a vessel of honor. A vessel that he is proud to show the colors to everyone, on. In Isaiah 49, it says, Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called you from the womb, from the matrix of your mother's womb, he has made mention of your name. And he has made your mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadows of his hand, he has hidden you, and made you a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden you. And he has said to you, You are my servant, in whom I will be glorified. Then you said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength on nothing and in vain. Yet surely your just reward is with the Lord and your work with your God. And now says the Lord who formed you from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to to him so that Israel is gathered for him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes? And to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Father we give our yes we give our yes Lord to your to your calling your, your charge for us to arise we give our yes Lord that we would tie ourselves to you Father and that Lord that we because of this overwhelming love Lord because of this hope that you've given us Lord we can have certainty Lord that you Will do every single thing that you have said. Lord, we want to be the part of the 300, Lord. We don't want to be spectators, Lord, but we want you to use us, Lord. Would you work with us, Holy Spirit? Would you take us on that journey? Would you open the wells that have been blocked up, Lord? Would you restore the picture, Lord? Amen. Thank you, everybody.